Greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes, as always, are courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I am, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. Today we find ourselves in Rollins, Wyoming, at the Wyoming Frontier Prison as referred to by some as the old pen. The land was bought from the railroad in 1888, and the cornerstone was laid that very same year. But unfortunately, due to funds, there would be a 13-year delay, and they did not open their doors until 1901. There's a neat fact here for you. The architects who designed Wyoming Frontier Prison also designed Alcatraz. During its 80 years, the Frontier Prison served as a home to 13,500 inmates. For the first seven or so years, females were actually held here as well, 11 to be exact, until 1909 when the very last female inmate was transferred to my home state, Colorado. When they first opened their doors, they had only cell block A, which consisted of 104 cells. So you can imagine just how quickly this place filled up. No shockers we see in so many other institutions like this, prisons, jails, penitentiaries, and what have you. Overcrowding always seems to be a huge problem. Throughout the years, they renovate and they add additions to the prison. More cells equals more inmates. They get some relief when in 1950, cell block B is finally complete and helps with the overflow of the convicts. Cell block 6 is completed in 1966, but is reserved for only the worst of the worst. For 16 years, the prison had a broom factory. All was well until it burnt to the ground. The culprits? Well, those are inmates during a riot. The factory was then rebuilt, where they then made shirts, bringing in two times the revenue to the state. It was going great until 1934, when unfortunately a law was passed that made sales and transporting prison goods basically prohibited. They then made superior quality blankets for the military during the Second World War. And before closing the prison, the last thing they did was make license plates. Now, they eventually closed in 1981, just a year before I was born, and it stays abandoned for not too terribly long, just a few years, when in 1987, the prison is used for a movie, one of Viggo Mortensen's movies, actually, one of his firsts, titled Prison. Now, Sadly, due to the filming, this wasn't like a registered National Historic Landmark at the time anyways. And so there was a lot of damage that the prison took, unfortunately. Now these days, it is a museum where you can actually go and visit. You could investigate. You could go on a tour. Hell, you can even rent a cell out of cell block A 
for I think a week. What I saw was $10 for a week and the money goes to the upkeep of the prison. So that's pretty cool. I am totally going to do that one of these days. Punishment here was pretty severe as we see in a lot of prisons. They had different forms including one called the punishment pole. They would handcuff the inmate and brutally whip him with rubber hoses. I mean, that's a huge ouch. The dungeon house was finished in 1906 and was used to house the most challenging and dangerous criminals out there. Two inmates actually die here due to frigid temperatures. These deaths actually lead the prison to discontinue usage of the dungeon until proper heating is available. And then we have the escape attempts, my friends. There's a few that happened here. In 1907, a desperate inmate attempts to escape. He manages somehow to get access to a gun and dynamite. And during his escape, he brutally murders a guard named Ed Samuelson. In 1911, another guard is murdered during an escape attempt. And the following year in 1912, in a two-day span, 30 prisoners, 30 prisoners, that's right, I had to repeat it because that's a huge number, escape through the wooden stockade and barbed wire. Now some of those escapees, while out, would murder a local resident named Charles Stressner. And I try to find something about this like what exactly happened and I couldn't really find anything. I found that yes, a Charles Stressner did die. I couldn't find anything else. But apparently some of these escapees did just that. Now in 1915, with the completion of the concrete wall, it brings the inmates to their knees, baby, and their plans of escape thwarted. Dreams of possible freedom, they're shattered. No escapes happen for over a decade. Then in 1927, there are two occasions where a total of seven manage to successfully escape. And some decide to escape another way. By jumping to their deaths from the upper cell block floors. One man, he tried escaping and he was later executed. After his death, his skin was actually used to be made into shoes. Sounds like something you would see or find at Ed Gein's House of Horrors. Move over, Hannibal Lecter. His head was actually given to the warden's friend. Fatality. Approximately 250 people died here at the Wyoming Frontier Prison. Now this includes prisoners, guards, Suicides, murders, executions, natural causes, you get the idea, right? Now, one event sticks out to me. Esther Higgins. She had a heart of gold. The elderly woman enjoyed making people happy. And out of habit, she would make several homemade, baked, fresh, blah, yummy, delicious pies. And she would bring them to the prison for the inmates. Oh, God, did they absolutely adore this woman. Not only did she bring baked goods, but she brought happiness. Higgins was lovingly known as the pie lady. Enter Frank Wigfall. He is released from prison, and upon his release, 
For reasons unknown, he tracks down the beloved pie lady at her home who did nothing whatsoever but treat the inmates with love and respect. And he brutally rapes and murders her. After the disgusting crime, he finds himself back in his old home, baby, in the prison. Now, the inmates, this doesn't go well with them. They are pissed off. No, scratch that. They are infuriated with Frank. And understandably so. Higgins did not just bring pie. She brought happiness and joy and respect when she visited. She was kind to the hardened criminals, an act that they rarely saw. They weren't used to it. So when they saw her, they knew they were going to get some candy, some goods from her, but also respect to avenge Esther Higgins, the pie lady, the beloved pie lady. Mind you, several inmates hang Frank Wigfall over the side of an upper walkway. Since his death, many have seen the man hanging where he was found dead all those years earlier. In Tower 9, a guard who had seen way too much in his days of working here and dealt with too much shit, he commits suicide. In 1912, they introduce executions after the much-needed completion of the death house is finally done. Between 1912 to 1933, inmates were put to death via the Julian Gallows. The condemned man would step onto a trap door. The weight of that would trigger a stream of water, which once a certain amount had gathered, the trap door would open. This somewhat of a do-it-yourself gallows was a short drop. And more than often, the condemned soul would slowly be strangled to death. Nine men would die this way. Though not at Wyoming Frontier Prison, U.S. Army Scout, lawman, detective, and the man who helped capture Geronimo, Tom Horn, is executed via the Julian Gallows in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Now, many believe he was wrongly executed. Even Geronimo himself expressed sincere doubts about Horn and the charges that were being brought up against him saying he did not believe that Tom Horn was guilty in the slightest. And that says a lot coming from Geronimo, right? Now, he is actually buried in Colorado, not Geronimo, but Tom Horn. And I swear one day, I really want to go on a big road trip all throughout Colorado. And I want to go cemetery hopping, if you will. Pay my respects here, go say hello over there. And on that list, of course, is Tom Horn, buried at Columbia Cemetery in Boulder. Buffalo Bill, buried at Lookout Mountain in Golden. And Doc Holliday, buried at Pioneer Cemetery in Glenwood Springs. That would be quite the adventure. Wonder what EVPs I could gather. Whoa. <laughs> And I know some people say, oh, there's no such thing as a haunted cemetery. I'm sorry, but I have been to cemeteries before and I have gathered quite a hefty load of evidence that way. So back on track, going back around, and we are back at the Wyoming Frontier Prison. In 1936, a hydrocyanic acid gas chamber is constructed and used until 1965. Five men will die in the gas chamber. 
one of the people that would breathe their last breath in that chamber would be Andrew Pixley. Originally from Las Cruces, New Mexico, Andrew finds himself in Wyoming, where he does the stupidest fucking thing in his life. Breaking into a hotel room and raping and murdering two young girls, two sisters. One August evening in 1964, a circuit court judge and his wife, they leave their children in the hotel to go to a nearby event. They think their daughters are safe. They're three daughters. And, you know, they're in a locked, secured hotel room. They say their goodbyes and they'll be back in a short while. Out of the three young girls aged six, eight, and 12, one child remains untouched, the six-year-old, who was believed to have been sleeping when the attacks occurred. Her two older sisters sadly perish in this brutal assault. And after the crime, he doesn't try to get away. No, he actually lays down on the floor and he stays there until mom and dad come back. They return a short time later and are shocked to see the room in disarray and a strange man laying down on the floor. The father screams, My God, this man has killed my babies. The two girls are buried together in one casket. Andrew, he claims that he's innocent. He says that there is no way possible he could be responsible for such a crime because he was Native American. What? I mean, never mind the fact that he was still at the scene of the murder. He later on would admit, yes, I did do this horrific double murder, but he would plead not guilty by reason of insanity. And you know what? Thank God the jury saw through his intense level of bullshit and waited through that. And he was executed December 10th, 1965. He would go down in the history of executions to take the longest to die than any other doomed man or woman via the gas chamber. It is said that he laughed uncontrollably the entire time. <laughs> he would be the second to the last person to be executed in Wyoming, and after Pixley, they would not execute the last man for almost 30 years. The last execution to take place here in Wyoming would be on January 22, 1992. Enter Mark Hopkinson. He throws a bomb into the window of a home, killing an entire family. He murdered somebody else on a different occasion as well. He maintained his innocence until the very day that he died, until his execution, January 22nd. He had chosen for there to be no witnesses at his execution. I didn't even know that was an option. Like, they should not have that option, but that's just me. They, however, were able to go in after he died to see the murderer's body so they can see with their very own eyes that Mark Hopkinson did, in fact, die and that justice was, in fact, served. And he was pronounced dead at 12.57 a.m. And the last execution I will talk about real quick is that of Charles Aragon. His prison records referred to him as being a half-breed Indian. One September evening at a circus show, Aragon kills two half-breed Indians. He was actually part of the entertainment, believe it or not, and he portrays, big shocker here, the bad Indian character. 
Now, while in the middle of the show, he calmly walks up to these two men and he shoots them both. In seconds, two are brutally murdered and several others are badly injured. Death was instant for the two men. Hopefully they didn't even know what hit them. It's believed that Charles Aragon had an affair with one of the victim's ex-wife. For this crime, he would pay dearly. He tries to escape, but no such luck, and the 25-year-old is executed via the Julianne Gallows on May 14, 1930, and he is pronounced dead at 12.27 a.m. This prison, it's extremely haunted. And no shocker there, with all the stuff that happens behind prison walls, I would be shocked if these locations were not active with paranormal and supernatural activity. Now, in the dungeon house, a negative spirit does taunt and harass people who go into certain areas. He is obviously extremely territorial and defensive about these areas, and he hates when people interfere, if you will. The prison shower is another hot spot for activity. People have claimed to hear voices more than once, almost like they are in the middle of some sort of conversation. Now, I just, a side note, there are some people, some people in the paranormal field full-heartedly believe or know for a fact that this is not possible. That spirits cannot and will not communicate with each other. That hell, they don't even know the other exists. I am not one of those people, and I myself have actually caught evidence via digital recorder of spirits speaking to one another. They are saying something, and then the other is responding. And this has happened in brothels, at cemeteries, in hotels. I've had this happen several different times at several different locations in several different states. Also, at the shower room, going back to that, besides the voices, wet footprints have been seen here despite no running water. So that's kind of creepy. I love it. And at the site of the in-house Julian Gallows, some have seen the apparition of a man. And he's always seen wearing a brimmed hat. Now, I don't know, who can this be? Perhaps he was an inmate. Someone who died due to the do-it-yourself gallows. Maybe he was a guard. Maybe somebody in the guard's family. Possibly someone who witnessed an execution. Who knows? All we know is this man continues to be seen here at the Julian Gallows. And another active location is Andrew Pixley's cell. Remember, guys, he's the one of the executions I talked about earlier. He murdered the two sisters. Now, during ghost tours conducted here, they will kind of light up candles, which people have seen flicker uncontrollably. Not only that, uh, you know, yeah, you know, candles flicker. That's okay, right? But, like, there's no breeze. There's no wind. There's there's nobody breathing on them. And they just start, like, kind of, like, you know, with a mind of their own, start going crazy. What's even more so, they will completely go out like you're blowing out a candle, right? But then it lights up back on its own, all by itself. And a black cat has also been seen wandering around Andrew's cell and also the death chamber itself. Some who have visited swear to have heard the sound of young girls crying. This is most likely Andrew's victims, which is so incredibly heartbreaking and sad to think that they are possibly stuck here. 
pleading for their lives, lives that were cut short by an extremely dangerous, ferocious predator. And I hope someday that they could find peace and maybe be reunited with their family. Now, I found a few accounts some have shared about when it comes to experiences and encounters here at Wyoming Frontier Prison. One person shared that at first everything felt okay. This is normal. Nothing out of the ordinary. That was until the tour went into the dreaded dungeon. Suddenly, this individual was struck with an urge of an uncontrollable anxiety, in their words. One fellow said when he went to an area that was kind of darker, he felt like he was not alone, like he was being watched. And several years ago, one man was there on a tour. He was strapped into the gas chamber chair for a photo op when he suddenly felt something grasp onto his shoulder. He says in the photo that you can clearly see a hand and an arm-shaped mist-like thing above the man's shoulder. And he also shares that his girlfriend and him got into a huge blowout of an argument on the way home from prison, which actually resulted in their breakup. Sadly, it was on her phone that caught the ghostly image, and he has no access to that picture. So that would really, really suck. It's like, shit, girl, if we're going to break up, at least give me that picture. (laughs) One girl says that when she was younger, she had gone with her family on a tour here, and she clearly remembers turning around a corner and sees an apparition of a man hanging himself in a cell. And it was obvious by everyone else's non-reactions that she was the only one who saw this ghostly suicide. Other things people have seen or heard include the sounds of disembodied footsteps in or around the death chamber, feeling cold spots, seeing full-bodied apparitions of inmates wandering throughout the prison, Voices heard in otherwise vacant cell blocks, floating balls of light seen with their own eyes, and as one shared in an experience, the feeling of nervousness and anxiety, and this usually happens on the stairs and in the death house. Many have also experienced an overwhelming pressure in the chest area while in the death house. Some paranormal investigators have been successful in getting EVPs such as Give me a cigarette. Perhaps this is the last request before their execution. How about a please? Another EVP caught here often is, help me. So, you guys, don't forget, if you are here in the Rawlins area, or driving through the lovely state of Wyoming, stop by for a visit or a tour of the Wyoming Frontier Prison, and remember to rent out your cell at cell block A for a week. You may just run into one of the resident spirits. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Really, there's no need to cry. Just hit up any of those podcast platforms such as Blueberry, Hub Hopper, Radio Public, cast box. Wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. 
And I just need to say, don't leave your iPad out and about because your boyfriend will walk up and write, I am a honky. (laughs) Here I am reading my stuff, lurking in the background. And then the words, I am a honky. So there you go. This week's special city shout outs go to Chennai, India, Avondale, Arizona, Elmwood, Illinois, Blackburn, England, and Visalia, California. As always, you guys, you are super greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we will see you next week.